One had pleasure, the other had joy. That was the thought that came to mind as I reflected on today's Gospel reading from Matthew chapter 11. The one who had pleasure was King Herod, who's not explicitly mentioned in this passage, but who was definitely in the background of the story. The one who had joy, at least at the end of the scene, was John the Baptist. Here we have John in prison for telling the truth. He told the truth to Herod concerning Herod's adulterous relationship with his brother's wife, Herodias. Now, obviously, for the king, the immoral activity associated with this adulterous relationship was extremely pleasurable, which is why he had absolutely no interest in giving it up. But that shouldn't surprise us, because from what we know of Herod, he was a man who was literally addicted to pleasure. He was obsessed with pleasure. In fact, that's precisely what led to him having John the Baptist executed. The Bible tells us that Herod one day experienced intense pleasure while watching Herodias' daughter dance provocatively at a party. Then Herod made a very foolish promise. He promised the girl anything she wanted, even to half of his kingdom. Well, the girl went to her mother, Herodias, her evil mother, and said, what should I ask for? And Herodias knew then that she had her opportunity to get rid of her nemesis for good. She was tired of hearing about her adultery. So she said, you ask for the head of John the baptizer on this platter. Now, I'm sure that after John was murdered, Herodias and King Herod experienced many, many, many more moments of great, intense, overwhelming pleasure. I'm not so sure they're experiencing any pleasure where they are right now, but we'll leave that for another homily. The relevant question for this homily is, did Herod also have joy? We can discern from the witness of Scripture that the man experienced a great deal of pleasure in his earthly life. But pleasure and joy are not the same thing. Sometimes they coexist, but very often they don't. In fact, it's possible for a person to experience deep abiding joy while at the same time experiencing very little, if any, pleasure. And by the same token, it's possible for somebody to experience a great deal of pleasure without experiencing any real joy. I hope this does not sound strange to you, but I know that it might, because in our contemporary American society, we are often given the message, especially through the media, that pleasure and joy are synonymous. But they are not. What is pleasure? Pleasure is a positive bodily or emotional response to something. That's what pleasure is. But it's only temporary. For example, I derive a great deal of pleasure from eating. Probably many of you do too. I derive that pleasure from eating as long as I'm eating. 
And as long as I'm eating good, healthy, tasty food, I derive pleasure from sitting on the beach in the summer in my nice beach chair in mid-July. It's a nice thought, isn't it, for this morning? I derive that pleasure as long as I'm sitting on the beach in my beach chair, although the pleasure can be reproduced to some extent in December if I use my imagination. Today I really have to put my mind to the fact, right? It's not easy to imagine today. I derive a great deal of pleasure from sitting in front of a television set watching the Green Bay Packers win football games, which means, of course, I have not experienced much pleasure this year. If you're a Patriot fan, count your blessings. You've had much more pleasure. Now, in and of itself, pleasure is not a bad thing. The problem comes either when the object of our pleasure is morally evil, like the death of an innocent person, John the Baptist, for example, Herodias derived great pleasure, unfortunately, from watching him beheaded. Or there's a problem when the desire for pleasure becomes the driving force in our life, as it was for King Herod. Many people today, as we know, are addicted to pornography. Well, this is precisely the reason. They desire the pleasure. They desire the pleasure that comes from viewing it. And that becomes the driving force in their lives. But they very quickly discover that the pleasure is only temporary. So they have to keep feeding it. They have to view the porn continually or whenever they have the opportunity. So much for pleasure. Joy, on the other hand, is different. Joy is a state of the heart based, believe it or not, on desires that are unsatisfied. Which means that as long as our desire is not fully satisfied, our joy can persist. It doesn't have to be a temporary phenomenon like pleasure is. Now this is not my insight, I should make that very clear. This is an insight of the great Christian author C.S. Lewis. And I will admit, when I first read this a few weeks ago, it didn't make any sense to me. It sounds like a contradiction in terms, does it not? I mean, how can joy come to us in this life from unsatisfied desires? I always thought that joy came into our lives when our desires were satisfied, when our desires and wants were fulfilled. But then I stopped and really thought about it for a while, and I came to see that, as usual, C.S. Lewis was right. I'll illustrate the truth of his insight with two examples, very quick examples. One from our modern world, one from today's Gospel reading. Think, first of all, of your typical five-year-old during the month of December. Some of you have five-year-olds, so this will be easy. Needless to say, as December the 25th approaches, that child's joy becomes more and more and more intense. But why is that? It's because of an unsatisfied desire. All through the month of December, that child desires, right? That child dreams of what he's going to find under the Christmas tree on December the 25th. He longs for the new toy, or the video game, or the bike, or all of the above. He doesn't possess it yet. 
His desire is not yet satisfied, but his heart is filled with joy because he knows, or at least he strongly believes, that it's coming soon. You know, you know what the irony of it all is? Five hours after he gets all that stuff on Christmas morning, his joy goes whoosh. And he even might get bored. Gee, Mom, Dad, there's nothing to do. Johnny, you just got 28 new toys on Christmas morning. Yeah, but I played with them all. This, by the way, is one of the biggest differences between life on earth and life in heaven. Here on this earth, joy often quickly decreases when our desires get satisfied. But in heaven, you see, the object of our desire, who is God, is infinite. So the joy never ends. Our desire for perfect life, perfect love, perfect truth is continually fulfilled there for all eternity. Which brings me to the example from today's Gospel that illustrates this idea from C.S. Lewis that joy is based on unsatisfied desires. The example is John the Baptist. John believed that he was called to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. And for many, many, many years he presumed that the Messiah was none other than his cousin Jesus. John had a desire in his heart. He desired that all those hopes of Israel be fulfilled. And consequently, I'm sure that for many, many years, he had incredible joy as he was seeing God's plan unfold before his eyes. In fact, in one of the Gospels, John explicitly talks about how joyful he is in his ministry. But then, for a very short time, I think he lost that joy, or at least a measure of it. It seems that after John was arrested and thrown into prison by Herod, he started to wonder, was his cousin Jesus really the Messiah that they had been waiting for? And I think that's probably because John, like most Jews of the time, expected the Messiah to be more forceful than Jesus was. They expected the Messiah to be more heavy-handed than Jesus was. So, as we heard in this gospel, he sent some disciples to our uh, he sent uh, some disciples to our Lord to ask him the big question: Are you the one? Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? And Jesus, as we heard a few moments ago, answered by saying, in effect, "Look, you go back and you tell my cousin that I'm doing all those incredible things that Isaiah the prophet said many years ago that the Messiah would do in passages like the one we heard in our first reading today. Jesus said, I'm healing the blind, the sick, the lame, lepers. I'm raising the dead. I'm preaching the good news to the poor. Blessed, happy, joyful is the one who takes no offense at me. Now, John the Baptist never, ever left that prison cell until the day he was beheaded by Herod and was carried out. That man experienced very little, if any, pleasure during his remaining days on planet Earth. But John the Baptist, I'm convinced, was definitely filled with joy. I mean, how could he not be? His desire, his deep desire, for the redemption of Israel, that had been rekindled 
His purpose had been reaffirmed. He now knew that he had gotten it right, that his ministry had not been in vain. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that his Savior had come. And his desire, his unfulfilled desire to see the Savior complete his work, that became the source of his joy. He was like a five-year-old child on the morning of December the 24th. And I believe John stayed that way, even unto his death. Why do I mention this today? Why do I give you this long homily on this Sunday morning? It's for a very important reason. You know, we live in a world right now where many, many people relentlessly pursue pleasure. Let's face it, the media encourages us to do that, all of us, and many people buy into it. Much of the pleasure that gets pursued, of course, is sinful. And so many people spend their entire lives, just like King Herod, going from one pleasure to the next to the next, without ever experiencing any real joy. And they hurt themselves, and they hurt others in the process. The lesson of this homily is that if we really want to experience a joy that lasts, then we need to cultivate within ourselves a desire, a deep desire for heaven, the kind of desire that the great saints had. Remember, joy comes from unsatisfied desires. Well, think about it. The desire for heaven will not be satisfied until we leave this life. But that's actually good news, because if we have that unsatisfied desire for eternal life deep within us, it means we can always have joy, or at least a measure of joy within us, even on the worst of days, even on dull, drab, dreary days in December.